The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hot, hot, hike! Welcome back to another episode of Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl, and today I am joined by Colton Bar- Bartholomew. Is that how I say it right? Yep. That's a, that's a mouthful, but I love that last name. Um, so, Colton, you cover Badgers football. You're a beat reporter for Badger Extra, Wisconsin State Journal, and Madison.com. So, a uh, very busy guy, it looks like, because you're reporting for many outlets, um, which I feel like is part of the, the sports world. Um, but we're here to talk about two guys that played for Wisconsin this last season, defensive tackle Keanu Benton, Keanu Benton and center Joe Tittman. Now, both of these names I have seen circulated in the Bears world a lot the last couple months as we are talking about potential draft prospects. And uh, Joe Tittman specifically in the last few weeks has been talked about a whole lot by Bears fans just because obviously that offensive uh, the offensive line position is just a, a dire need for the Bears. But the defensive line also is too. I think just most people have looked at the last season and I don't know how much you had watched or know about the Bears, but Justin Fields got sacked 55 times last season. And so it's obviously something that the Bears really want to address. So Colin, in this podcast series, I am just breaking down some of the players that the Bears could potentially pick. We we talked a whole lot about the number one overall pick, and then once that was traded, we talked a whole lot about that ninth. So we want to shift a little bit to maybe some of the guys that we can get in the second, third, fourth rounds um, that we're still getting talent, and there's guys there. That's a, It's a deep draft in certain positions, um, so we'll look at that a little bit. Um, the Bears already have a couple of former Badgers, defensive, defenseman Jack Sanborn and TJ Edwards, both former Badgers. Um, so that's kind of cool looking at another Wisconsin guy potentially. Uh, but let's let's start with Benton, the ninth-ranked overall prospect on the draft network and the seventh-ranked interior defensive lineman. Um, so let's talk about with what probably is his best attribute, at least from what I've read about him, which is run-stuffing, his run-stuffing ability. Scouts say he was one of the best in college football this last season. Wisconsin allowed the ninth-fewest total rushing yards in the nation last year. So how much was that directly correlated to what Benton can do out on the football field? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, you talk to anybody that was on the Wisconsin defense the last four years, and they'll tell you up and down that Keanu Benton's impact on the defense as a whole, not just the interior, but the defense as a whole, uh, was just immense because, as you mentioned, just the ability to not just play you know, strong up front and ta- make tackles when they were there and everything, but just 
really force offensive lines to either double team or, you know, account for him in, in more ways than one every single play. And you watch the, the snaps that teams did leave him one-on-one with a center or a guard, and that player is usually getting put a yard or two back into the backfield or, you know, they're just getting dispatched from the play pretty quickly. So I think the thing that Benton's got going for him is that he's shown the ability to play, you know, a true zero or a true one technique where he's basically two-gapping, and that's kind of a big thing right now in the NFL. And it's kind of been growing where if you're going to play that nose guard in a 3-4 front or, you know, be that interior guy in a three-down line set, you, you've got to be able to cover multiple gaps while, you know, maintaining your footwork and everything like that. So he's got that ability. He's showed, you know, growing potential as a pass rusher, uh, which, you know, if you're essentially taking a guy in that second, third round, like you want to be able to stay on the field on third downs as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's helped him a lot, especially from the senior bowl. That, that was really where he opened some scouts' eyes and what he can do as a pass rusher. So I think that there's a lot of potential here for him in the NFL. And some of the, the personnel people that I've talked to just off the record and everything, just a lot of them say, like, maybe he's never going to be the star of your defense, but he's going to have be one of those guys that has, like, a 9-, 10-, 12-year career because – he does his job well. You can't really move him very much in the run game. And there's just always going to be a value for those types of guys in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a lot of that interior spot sometimes is underestimated when it comes to because you direct when you're looking at the defensive line, a lot of people just want to see those sack numbers and see pressure numbers and see QB hits. But sometimes what they're doing, um, aside from those statistics, are massive for a defensive line. It also potentially helps those edge guys on the outside. Um, but one of the things that I did – see and this is previous to last season was that he struggled a little bit with his impact and affecting passing downs but seemed to work on that this offseason because the production went up a lot from two seasons ago to this last season when it comes to his sack numbers QB hits all those stats that I was just talking about is that something that you did notice last season an improvement yeah absolutely and I think part of it was uh he improved his conditioning, A, just be able to stay on the field for, for extra plays. But then, two, his pass rushing moves because what Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin for the last seven years, uh, has done with him – or not seven, but in the last few years has done with him uh, – is be able to move him out further from that zero or one technique on third downs and in passing situations. So he'll move out to a three or even the occasional four or four I. So – what he's been able to do is get one-on-one situations with guards in in pass rushing situations. And like I said, just when you're talking about a guy that's as quick as he is with the upper body strength he has, combine all those things with just improvement in technique and learning different moves. It all kind of culminated in this year. Even though he wasn't fully healthy, you watch some of the games, like he's coming off every few plays kind of limping because he's dealing with a right leg injury. But he was able to – continually put pressure on the quarterbacks, collapse pockets. I think I think it was three interceptions this year were pretty much direct results of Benton pressure uh, for the Badgers. So, yeah, he's definitely improved his stock and, and his you know toolbox in the sense of a pass rush. Now, you mentioned that leg injury. Is that a concern, or does that seem like it is, it's healed at this point? Yeah, he seems all good. I mean, you look at what he did at the Senior Bowl and then uh, his pro day and everything, all the numbers are you know where they were hoping for mm-hmm. uh, in terms of athleticism and everything. So he, he appears to be fully healthy from that. Well, and obviously one of the things that you've mentioned several times already is the, the pass, pass rush ops, uh, option 
I'm trying to say this. Okay. Aspect of it. The pass rush aspect. That's a tongue twister. Um, so the Bears' lack of pass rush this last season was awful. Uh, they could not get to the quarterback to save their lives. And I, our leading sack getter last season was our rookie safety, Jaquan Brisker, which is not the position that you're really expecting to be that person. Uh, but that just shows how bad the defensive line was up front. So I mentioned earlier, we know those interior guys sometimes aren't known for the super high-level pass rush. Their, their numbers maybe aren't the, what you would like to what people would like to see. Um, but a, a lot of it's just creating chaos a bit. And obviously that opens up our opportunities for the edge guys. And and like you said, the ability to do other things in the middle. And a part of that is just taking up space. So how much of Benton's just taking up space led to those 32 sacks that Wisconsin was able to get last year? Quite a bit. I mean, the way that Jim Laird likes to use him is putting him on the opposite side uh, of their other, their kind of elite pass rusher, Nick Herbig. Uh, the outside linebacker. So what they would do is basically force a double team away from Herbig, and then Herbig would get one-on-one with the tackle and really be able to create a ton of pressure off the edge. So that was a lot of what Jim Leonard liked to do. And he was more creative than I'm making it sound with it. But I think Benton's ability to draw attention, and then if you weren't going to double team or you're going to leave him one-on-one, win those battles enough that it kind of forced an offense's hand, it was a big deal. And you know, there are some times that you'll see teams, especially in college football, the way things are going, like they'll leave a defensive lineman and throw a, maybe a, a tight end on a trap or a running back to try to just cut him coming through the line. And I think there was one team that tried that with Benton this year, and it was just an immediate blow up and almost sack. So it's one of those things where he's shown that he can be a disruptor and the attention that he draws can benefit the whole pass rush. So, you know, I grew up in Chicago suburbs, and a lot of my friends are Bears fans. They they lamented every week that, you know, they didn't have – every time they weren't getting sacks or every time quarterbacks were dicing them up, it's like, oh, wish we still had Cleo Mack, wish we still had all these guys. <laughs> so I think getting – maybe Benton's not going to be the guy getting those sacks, but he's going to help the defense as a whole be able to create more pressure. Well, that's obviously exactly what we want to hear. It's really weird as a Bears fan talking about a team or watching a team that defense was bad because the history of us, the defense, has been what saved us. And last year, it was just honest. It was depressing for a little while. Um, one more for you on him before we move on to Tittman. Um, so what are the expectations there in Wisconsin of where uh, he Benton could potentially be taken? Do you think he'll be available? Because the Bears do have two second-round picks and a third, 53-61-64. Do you think that is where a lot of people are seeing him go? Yeah, I think mid-second round is where, I mean, that's kind of later second round, but I think mid-second round to early third round is more likely where he's going to end up. Just he does. If he was a more kind of productive pass rusher in college, I think he'd be a first-round pick. But I just think that there's still questions about where he can, where his ceiling is as a you know individual stat getter as a pass rusher. So I think. He'll be in that second, third round area, but I don't see him slipping too much further than that. Okay, uh, let's slide on to Joe Tittman a little bit. He is the 38th ranked prospect on the Draft Network site, uh, the third best interior line, o-, o lineman on their on their board. Um, first of all, I'm a big fan of the mullet. I think it's fantastic, and I just think it gives off those big offensive lineman vibes. So I love it. Um, 
there are a little I, I think there's concerns in Chicago or maybe in general in the NFL when it comes to taking a center as high as you may have to take Titman this this year. Um, there, you know, some people say there's some guys that you can get that are close to that same level talent in the second or third round. But man, he's he's just so good when you watch his film. There's just so many good aspects of his game that you think you and hope that would transfer quickly to the NFL. But let's start a little bit uh, from the beginning with him. The start of his career at Wisconsin was a bit slow. He was redshirted as a freshman and only started two games the following season, but he took over at center in 2021, and it was pretty much up from there. Um, tell us a little bit about what happened from 2020 to 2021 to launch him to that starting spot and where we see now. Yeah, he was dealing with some injuries right when he got to campus, and then I think there was an adjustment for him because – you know, his whole life was spent, you know, guard, tackle, mostly tackle in the high school ranks, and then moving into center. The the previous coaching staff here at Wisconsin, to play center, like you had, you were responsible for all the line calls. You're responsible for so much different responsibilities, you know, mentally and play call wise. That there was just things that not a lot of true freshmen are going to be able to do. So he had to adjust to that when they wanted him to play center, and then. You saw him, once he got the mental part of it down, be able to attack the physical part. And when he got to the starting job, the first thing that jumped out about him is the quickness off the ball, the quickness off the line. And Wisconsin is one of the rare teams in college football that will pull their center on different plays, like especially out to the edge. They'll do pin and pull blocks where, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have the center be getting out to the edge. And his ability to do that and kind of become a lead blocker, running with running backs for a while – um, down the field, it's just fantastic for a guy his size. So you just saw him continue to get better and better throughout his career. And the thing that impressed me the most uh, when you got to this season where, you know, he, he knows that the, the draft hype is starting to build about him. He, he's a guy that's got the eyes on him. You saw him still focus on, all right, I need to get better at, you know, dropping my anchor in the pass rush or uh, in the pass blocking, uh, being able to not just set the line calls but adjust them if I think – you know, we could do something better than what maybe the playbook or the play call by itself would suggest. So I think just building more and more confidence in what he saw and continuing to get better as a pass blocker, you saw it throughout the whole year. So I'm not surprised that we're seeing, like, teams talking about him as first center off the board potentially Mm -hmm. or, you know, just depending on who falls where, just being one of those top interior offensive linemen drafted. Yeah, and I love hearing that because for me, Colton, obviously not being a professional at the offensive line position, it's it's such a hard thing to really grade because you don't really have as many numbers other than maybe, you know, sacks allowed and pressures allowed and whatever. But a lot of that obviously can be dictated through many aspects of the offensive line and what the quarterback's doing and what guys are around you doing. So to me, to hear that he's continuing to work on things and we already saw the improvement through the years, like I mentioned, it's really exciting. Um, and yeah, to be one of that, that probably the first, I would say definitely one of the top three centers taken off the board. We'll see him go. But he was obviously a pivotal part of the line and leading to that second-ranked Badgers rushing attack last year. So what are Tittman's major strengths that led him to being such a huge factor in that part of the game? I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is the size. You mm-hmm. don't see a lot of six-six centers. And, you know, I think he's about 320 pounds right now uh, as he's getting through the draft process. So you just don't see centers that are that big because – Oftentimes teams want him to be a little bit quicker to climb up to the second level and start blocking linebackers, but he's at that size, still got the quickness and the footwork to be able to do what you want out of a center. So that's something that 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That kind of fit that mold, but, you know, you look right now, the best center in the league is Jason Kelsey from the Eagles, who mm-hmm. might be 6'2", 6'3", on a good day. So uh, it's just kind of a different stroke for different folks mentality there. But I think what Tittman does really well in terms of uh, in the run game Knowing the angles he has to hit, like some guys, if you're that big, you, you just kind of rely on your size and try to move people in that way. But he's really detailed in terms of getting on the right angles, being able to attack a defensive lineman at an angle that, you know, even though that guy's going to be potentially just as heavy or just as big as he is, he's still going to be able to move him because he uses the right leverage and uses the right kind of footwork and technique. So I think that's a big thing. And then in terms of just knowing the game, like Wisconsin's a I mean, he, Wisconsin used to pride themselves on being what was called pro-style, but now that the game has pretty much passed that by and mm-hmm. there's been a bunch of changes here in Madison, I think his understanding of the, the run schemes and what are more basic pass schemes in terms of setting your whole line and making sure that the line knows what's happening and what the assignments are, that's really important because so much of college football had has gone to, you know, going faster. Just look over the sideline, get the play, and go. Like. Yeah. Having a guy that's coming in from the college ranks that knows how to set a front, knows how to set your lineup, play to play, is a big advantage for a guy like Tippmann. Definitely. And obviously, let's switch over a couple more for you, Colton, before I let you go. If you switch over to the other side of the pass protection. Now, most times when I'm reading about a lot of the offensive linemen in the in college football that are coming up and that could be drafted, um, you see a lot of whether, you know, they're really good at run blocking ability. And then the next phrase is something along the lines of, oh, they could improve in pass pro or needs coaching at the next level for pass pro. But or opposite, they're really good at pass protection and really and have to work on that run blocking aspect but when I read about Tittman and watch things on Tittman there are a ton of positives in both aspects and I we just talked a ton about the run blocking side of it but when you look at pass pro you could say he's just as good Uh, he only allowed one sack in two years there and so what can you tell us about his pass protection and do you think that will be able to transfer to the NFL level yeah I think it will because you know you watch there hasn't been a ton of he hasn't faced a ton of like NFL level interior defensive lineman like it's really only been against the Ohio States and the Michigans here in the Penn or in the uh, in the Big Ten that mm-hmm. he's seen guys that are going to be you know NFL level guys on the interior. But what I think he does really well is gets his hands on guys late, which sounds weird to say, but he lets his feet do the blocking to start with, and then okay. once he gets his hands on, then it kind of just locks up, and he doesn't have to try to overextend to make up for. A poor technique footwork-wise or anything like that. So I think that's one of his big strengths. And then I think what he does 
pretty well in terms of uh, pass blocking is getting his six six frame low enough that it can handle some of those interior defensive linemen that he's yeah. going to see or that are going to have the natural leverage on him. Like he knows how to slow those guys up with his feet, get as low as them or lower, and then be able to kind of extend through a block so he can lock them up. So I, I think technique wise, he's got everything he needs to do. I know one critique that I've seen kind of consistently of Tipman is sometimes he'll get his hands outside a little bit too much. So mm-hmm. if he gives up his chest. There's an issue there, but I'm sure that's just something that's going to be corrected with some rep, more reps. And, you know, if once he kind of internalizes, that's something he's got to fix. So I think the sky's the limit for a guy like Tipman. I agree. And I think that I've, the only really two negatives I saw was the one you just named. And then maybe the potential that the size might be an issue, just like you said, being able to get down low enough to defend some of these guys because he is massive. Uh, last one for you, Colton, before we, I let you go. Um, a lot of versatility when it comes to offensive schemes that he, you know, when he's been able to play and then obviously the the change that he'll see in the NFL, but especially if he's coming to the Bears. Justin Fields being a very mobile quarterback, liking like to move around. They, they do a lot of RPO-type things. Um, so he's on the move quite a bit. Do you think this is something that Tippmann would be able to adjust to and handle that, si- that type of offense? Yeah, I think that there was – a slight movement of that or towards some of those things at Wisconsin this year that then got kind of got thrown out the window when they had the coaching change midseason. But I, I think Tipman intelligence wise and football IQ and everything, there's not going to be an issue adjusting to a new offense. And I think there's going to be some aspects where the NFL game might suit him a little bit better than what Wisconsin was doing, because there was a little bit of an element of at Wisconsin, like, Hey, there's eight guys, nine guys in the box whatever, let's just run into it and kind of throw our heads <laughs> against the wall. Um, and I think the NFL is going to be a little bit smarter than that for a guy like Tipman. So I think they'll be able to, you know, put him in the good spots. And then, like I said earlier, like he's going to know how to set the lineup to be successful and set himself up to be successful mentally. So I think that's going to help him being in an offense that's a little bit more creative. And, you know, you mentioned not letting them many sacks. Like Fields is the guy, I know they, they had a bunch of sacks last year, but mm-hmm. an ideal world where you're blocking well to start a play and then Fields can extend it and then make something happen. Like the sack numbers should go down once they improve some talent on the offensive line there. Oh, I agree. And that's what we're aiming for. Obviously, I think we're going to be very uh, – it's looking like – the number nine pick is going to go to an offensive lineman. That's why it's interesting to me because I'm not quite sure if the Bears would go back-to-back offensive linemen, but obviously if you're really trying to protect your quarterback, who you say is your franchise quarterback, you may want to do that. Um, Anyways, Colin, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yep, anytime. Have a good one. All right, so obviously these are two names that the Bears need, or I guess two positions that the Bears need, and they're two names that are very likely to be able to fall at certain spots that the Bears are picking. So that's super exciting because, you know, some of the guys that we really want to see uh, will probably be gone by the time the Bears have that next pick. Uh, So John Michael Schmitz, one of those, uh, we did our episode on him. And obviously the main thing is if they're end up trading back, there's the Steelers rumors that they'd go back to 17 and maybe have 17 and 32 and give the Steelers our nine. I don't know. I, I don't know. You finally you you go from having the number one overall pick to the number nine to not having a pick until seventeen. But if you are maybe going, and then what if John Michael Schmitz is taken before that? That would really suck. Um, or one of the guys that you really think that you really want, and they're gone by seventeen. Obviously, there's a, a long list of guys that I'm sure they think is worthy of those picks around that area. But these are both names that I think could make immediate impact on the Bears and are really important. 
And Joe Tipman is a guy that obviously we could potentially get a little bit later. I have another center that I'm going to be covering coming up uh, within the next week also that could possibly Ricky Stromberg, who a lot of people are telling me that they are interested in. Uh, he will be available later. So he is definitely an option. But Joe Tipman is his... He's so fun. He's so fun to watch. And having someone like that on your offensive line could just be a game changer. Uh, so it'll be really interesting. Again, we'll go through. I have uh, another week or so of all, or I guess now two weeks uh, of these Beyond the Ninth Pick podcast. So stay tuned. Uh, obviously, I can't get through everybody. There's a million prospects that the Bears could potentially pick. But the point is to try to get to know so a few of these guys that we've seen on a lot of mock drafts or have seen floating around Bears, Bears world a little bit more, uh, get to know them. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Taylor Dahl, and this is Making Monsters. Mm-hmm.